Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. All business. We're a couple of business guys. We're businessmen. <laughs> we hey, do everyone. business. <laughs> That's our business voice. <laughs> this is our business This is the voice. voices we use when we're making business deals. <laughs> My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman. And we just watched Strange Brew. Stronger Brew. Hmm. It's a Stranger Brow. Canadians. It's it's yeah, it's Canadian. At last, television's Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis have just hit the great white screen. These are the adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie, Strange Brew. Yeah, okay, so we have some business. Yeah, uh, there's some business. A <laughs> uh, big thank you to Steven. Steven, thank you for uh, having us watch Strange Brew. Indeed. The, 1983. The 19- yeah, 1983. That is, that's almost the 70s, Tom. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it might uh, as well be the 70s. Yeah, it's Ricky Moranis and mm-hmm. David Thomas. <laughs> Ricardo uh, Moranis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, R- Richard Moranis. Richard Moranis. No, it's a it's uh, a movie. Uh, it's a couple of characters they did Bob and Doug McKenzie that they did on SCTV, um, which is a bit of a precursor to like Wayne's World at Beavis and Butthead, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Interesting is I'm reading that the SCTV like the pro- executive producer uh, said that they, he would sue them for making this movie and the movie had to be written to be different enough from the sctv characters which doesn't seem like it was no they were they start off they start and end the the film is bookended by them sitting on the the uh what's it called the great white north set right so this is from this is on wikipedia from an interview with dave thomas i wonder if it's one of those things because behind the scenes trivia is famous for this in my opinion which is taking jokes yeah that, like actors said and then yeah. making it like trivia yeah uh so i'm wondering if it's more like that if it's like he said a joke in an interview and some nerd was like i guess i better put that in as a f- actual fact oh yeah no this uh, current yeah the the internet has murdered subtext yes so yeah. it's 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 either just completely at face value is the only way we can interpret anything mm-hmm um, I had never seen this movie. I have no background really with these characters in SCTV. Mm-hmm. I remember them being in commercials. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and I never really, I mean, I love these actors. It's I Dave think, Thomas and Rick Moranis. So, yeah. You know. And I, I'm pretty sure Rick Moranis' last film was voicing a moose in Brother Bear. Is that right? Uh, and it's, sure. And it's, I think that's right. Um, I'll have to double check that, but like, anyway, the point is, is that he and Dave Thomas play the two moose, and they're oh. doing, and they're they're playing them as Bob and Doug McKenzie, and I think that was his last role in a movie. Yeah, I was gonna, I would say this is before our time, but Tom, you already told me <clears throat> you watched this as a kid a lot, right? I did, yeah. I mean, it was before my time. I was born in 1983, so right. But yeah, um, I, yeah, that is that is our time. Like yeah. I watched, you know, I grew up watching Ghostbusters and yeah. so on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid because both uh my dad and my stepdad were really into this film. Um. So yeah, I'd seen it a bunch, but I had not watched it probably. In 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, interested to go back and see um, how it held up. And, you know, it's very dated. Uh, well. But I, I, I still think the movie is charming. <laughs> it's dated, but not in a way where it, like, says 
any it, like it's ra- it's not racist. No, no, it's not dated or like it's that. Not it's not offensive in any way. No, it's it's more like I didn't laugh much watching it. Uh, which isn't to say it isn't a good movie. You know, does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's it's the jokes. I think the style of comedy we're so used to now because, like, like I mentioned, it's kind of a precursor to Wayne's World and Beavis and Butthead, and even to yeah. like, and even to like a less and dumb and dumber, dumb and dumber for sure. To a lesser degree, it's always sunny. Like Rick Moranis in particular is very Charlie Day in this movie. Yeah, it, that's that's uh, that's really what it was. Watching this is that it's what, watching it. I was like. Oh, this is the inspiration for a lot. This yeah, is yeah. this is the seeds. Like I would argue, uh, Dana Carvey is sort of just ripping off Rick Moranis in Wayne's World. Yeah, a hundred percent. He is. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing. He's doing like, a no. Rick Moranis voice. <laughs> yeah, he's just doing Rick Moranis in this. Yeah. Um, I would also say Wolf Cop. Wolf Cop with the um yeah. the, the Canadian hockey stuff, the Evil Beer Company. Yeah. Uh. Dumb and Dumber, I say the roots are almost firmly planted in the idea of two dummies infiltrating something, like thwarting plans through yeah, just it's, coincidence. It's very like the the Dumb and Dumber, the Beavis and Butthead movie, um, and uh, you know a lot of similar type comedies. It's uh, two buffoons wandering into a different movie. Is basically what it is. Yeah, like there's and a whole other like, movie, yeah, going these on. These guys are masterminds, yeah, that kind exactly. of thing. Yeah, and that's what this movie is. They stumble into a completely different movie about uh, Hamlet as reinterpreted by a brewing company. Yes, it's, it's Elsinore Brewery. Uh, the, the the owner of Elsinore Brewery was murdered by his brother and the evil brewmeister, who's played by Max von Sydow. Um, Max von Sydow doing doing. A Do, job. Doing the Lord's work, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like the scene where he grabs the dude by the head. And he's like, I could crush your head like a nut. Yeah. But I won't because I need you. <laughs> so good. We are he introduced takes on to a Max whole Von. fucking hockey team at one point. Yeah. He beats, the, he beats the fucking Christ out of an entire hockey team yeah. dressed like stormtroopers. We're introduced to him as he's peeing in a secret bathroom behind a war map. Yeah. Um, yep. He's just killing it in this movie. Yeah. He's he's doing he's doing his job. He's doing his job. So yeah, like the the movie is about this this lady uh, who is inheriting Elsinore Brewery because her father died, and then we learn that her father was murdered by her uncle, who then married her mom, and her uncle is also named Claude. It's all very Hamlet. Uh, but then the evil brewmaster Max von Sydow has this plan where he's going to put load beer with this secret chemical that will mind control people if he plays a certain certain tunes on on a synthesizer. Right, uh, and he's using. He's also a doctor at a neighboring uh, mental hospital, and he's he's using the patients there as guinea pigs to test out his mind controlling beer. And right. Bob and Doug McKenzie stumble into this because it opens with them screening a a much shittier movie <laughs> that was supposed to be their movie, and right. so they, they have to flee. They drink all their beer. They don't have any money left to get any more beer because their movie was a disaster. Uh, so they go into the Elsinore Brewery to try to scam a free case of beer by putting a mouse in a beer bottle, and then instead they get put to work, and they stumble upon this conspiracy, and hilarity ensues. Which I learned, uh, the mouse in the beer bottle made it hard for them to find a brewery willing to partner with them about this movie. Like, they were going to film in a real brewery, obviously, yeah. and then there was a lot of, like, Molson wanted to do something with them. Uh, with like ads, but the mouse in the beer bottle was like an issue because these companies are so sensitive. Which is like companies. Which is funny because they eat. They, you know, it's a scam. Like it's explicitly a scam, right. and they. It's eat, not. And he, yeah. Dave Thomas, even explains to the audience how to do the scam. He's like, "Well, you get a right. baby mouse and you stick it in the bottle and then let like raise it inside the bottle, right? <laughs> all to it's get a like scam. a free fifteen dollar case of beer." <laughs> Yeah, this is all about them just getting, wanting, needing free beer. Trying to like scam some they, free beer, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're dead. They, yeah, they, get, they give someone their money back for the movie, and then they go home, and their dad's like, you need to get beer uh, tomorrow, and then they're like, how do we get beer? And they try this scam. They go to, like, the beer pharmacy, which I'm assuming is just a Canadian thing. It's like a package store, yeah. Yeah, but it, I've never seen a package store where you... Uh, go, you have to like go to a 
person at a desk and tell them what beer they you want, and then the beer comes through a chute. No, yeah, I've like, never it seen it like. Canadian. Yeah, it was like breadline combined with a package store. Maybe yeah. I don't know if that was a joke for the movie or if that's what it was really like. In I don't the, know, man. In the they put their milk in, in bags. Yeah, but I mean, either way, they go to a. It's it's a package store, so I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, we should mention this is uh, directed by Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. Yeah, uh, written by Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. That was also I was reading that they they so they gave the script to someone else. And then they realized, like, they improv their characters on the show. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense for someone to write them. So they wrote, you know, a lot of their stuff. Rick Moranis was hesitant about doing the movie, apparently, which is weird, too. It sounds like Rick Moranis. Yeah. 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 He he doesn't seem to like being in He doesn't in really things. seem to enjoy being in movies too much. Yeah. It's <laughs> very all. funny. Um. So, yeah. So they go to the brewery, which is like, it. they make it all spooky. Uh, and, and that's when they jump a, into this other idea a spookery, of this, if you will. Th- yeah. A spookery of this woman who is inheriting the brewery and the evil, the evil uncle doesn't want her to have it, uh, and tries to kill her. Does he try to kill her? Yeah. Um, they try yeah. to, they try to kill her, uh, and frame Bob and Doug for it. Yeah. They have some dumb, dumb plans for yeah, it. Yeah. It's um, all, it's all very stupid. It's, it's all... <laughs> It's yeah. I mean, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. Yeah. It you know. It's comedy logic. It's like we're gonna yeah. put them in these kegs and then put them in. It's like very like Bugs Bunny, where it's like yeah. you know just shoot them or something. But no, we're gonna put them in these kegs and then have them de- fake deliver it and cut the brakes on the car so that I guess they crash. Yeah. They, so it looks they, like they. they it jump. looks like they drove them into the into the water. Yeah, they do a pretty sick jump with that van too. It was they it was, do. It was dope. Yeah, this this van gets fully airborne and flies into the yeah. water. It's great. Yeah, but first, but first, it's them fun and games of them working at the brewery, doing like quality control, because uh, they give them a job for some reason. Oh, they give them a job because they think they're telling the truth about the mouse. Yeah. Uh, there's a haunted arcade machine. <laughs> Was that yeah. Hamlet? Was yeah. the haunted arcade machine? Yeah, no, in that's Hamlet? in Hamlet. That's how Hamlet figures out that his dad is dead. Is he? Is he? Yeah. He, he visits him in a, in a haunted arcade machine. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, it's the movie <laughs> is okay. So, how did you like this movie? So, like I said, the, there's a couple parts that actually made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, the first half I found like kind of boring, but there, it's again, it's really hard. It's like it's it's i couldn't i have nothing but the most respect for this uh is how i would frame it where it feels dated Mm -hmm. um but it it's again it feels it's kind of impressive and it and it makes me think of how it's the roots for a lot of other things so like watching these two people do these characters so flawlessly yeah uh was delightful but i most of it, yeah, most of it felt like they, it's almost like it's so early in this trope that they didn't really have to do much in terms of jokes, if that makes sense. Yeah, like no, totally. Like a lot of the stuff was so new that it was at its most basic form. Yeah. Uh, and therefore there's not much for jokes because the joke is, look at these guys, they're dummies. Yeah. Look at, they have a funny voice. Uh, they're constantly fighting. The best moments, I think, are between them when they're like playing steamroller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when they're electrocuting each other. Yeah, and um, Rick Moranis is real bummed that he's gonna his turn is gonna get skipped. <laughs> he's yeah. He's, they get stuck in an electro shock room and they're playing around with the device. And then for Rick Moranis's turn, he's tied the electrodes to his head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they leave uh, before he gets to turn it on. He's real depressed about it. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like. Stuff like the meta aspect was very again. That's something that we've just seen a million times now, but I'm sure it was very fresh when they were doing this. Yeah, the, I, oh, I we're remember watching our own movie. You know all that. Yeah, I remember thinking that part, the the opening part in particular, was very funny as a kid, where they're showing their terrible movie, um, right? And before the movie starts, they're giving you more scam tips. Um, like, yes. like, well, if you if you want to get your money back in a movie, you release a jar of, of moths because they'll fly up <laughs> to the to the projector screen and block the screen, so you can go to the front of the the theater and demand your money back. So they're in the theater watching 
their terrible movie and the audience starts to riot so like he releases the jar of moss moss. (laughs) yeah i i really like the jar of moss because it's that's weird for today's standards like yeah it has i like that it has like a a logic to it like oh yeah they're attracted to light yeah so you release the moss they go with the projector but what a weird thing to do (laughs) in the movie theater what a what a completely odd uh idea um yeah. You know, there yeah, that was it was a delight. Yeah. It's a I, lot of that too, where like a lot of the jokes are I was like, Oh, like I really like this idea. Um, it's just not it's not getting me because again, it's it's whatever. It's the fact that I've watched so much comedy and this is all but like the ideas in it are like, Oh, this is very good. Yeah. Uh I did laugh at the when they when they are underwater and the cops dive down and they act like they're being pulled yeah, over. Like being I thought pulled that over. was very yeah, funny. That was good. I liked the guy saying, it's the press, I'll handle it. And yeah. he just starts beating <laughs> their, them up. Their lawyer is just whips out karate moves on the press. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the other reporters is also karate master. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. Like, there are definitely jokes in this that push uh, through. Uh, the one that really got me this time was the when the cops go to their parents' house uh, to look for them and the dog throws them to disc and then rolls away into the shadows. Yeah. And it's like a really clunk. It's like a really obvious reverse shot of a stuffed dog. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like the Marx Brothers where I'll watch an old Marx Brothers and largely I'll, I'll say, oh, I know why this is significant but it's not making me laugh. And then something will happen. I'll be like, okay, well that's funny. Yeah. Where like, there's certain things that's like, it doesn't matter uh, what era it is. That's a funny idea or it's something that I haven't seen, or maybe it's just, Oh, the delivery is perfect. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, and I, I, I agree with that. Like a lot of this movie is just so I, I do agree that it's, it's, light on like traditional i guess jokes being written because so much of the humor is just watching these two characters exist and that was really i think relatively new for the time we've had so many derivative characters that have become hugely popular yeah. based on the same model since then um but yeah i think the only it's real funny com- go ahead oh sorry it's just funny how yeah how you can really like the part where they're talking about not looking at the road and they're oh, like, yeah. you know, like how people don't look at the road in movies. Yeah, it's because they're towing it and they start doing it. Yeah. That's very Wayne's World before Wayne's World, you know, yeah, where they're yeah. talking about product placement and then they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's that where it's like, that didn't make me like laugh huge, but I was like, oh, that's, this is like, and I'm sure there's versions of that joke before this, mm-hmm. uh, but it was just interesting to see an, uh, you know, an earlier version of something that I would argue is like that that is kind of the better version um because it's quicker it's more it's a more efficient joke yeah uh and it's done well in this uh what were you going to say i was going to say um well first of all i don't know if it's better um but i cuz i like both versions of the joke because the Wayne's world one escalates yeah that's true uh, so the the joke is is in the escalation rather than the observation Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is just the observation. But I was going to say, I think my main complaint, and I actually had this complaint as a, as a little kid watching the movie, is that it's a little hard to follow. <laughs> like the actual, the actual plot and like the yes. things, the things that happen, are a little jumbled. So it, if the movie feels a little uh, thrown together a, yeah, a, in all, a lot of places. Well, it's it. What it is is that ultimately it all makes sense. The problem is that like. And this is, I, it's a valid criticism, but it's not that valid. Is like, for example, the villain's plan is dumb and makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and like, that kind of matters, but not, like, the movie is kind of nihilist in the sense that a lot of comedies are where it's absurdist. So like, for example, at the end, uh, the villain is going to, I guess, release the beer at Oktoberfest. And they, their idea is let's clear them out by painting the dog like a skunk. Uh, and then the dog starts flying through the air like, like Superman for some reason. He just and so does. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's the so, same where he rolls out of the way into the shadows after throwing them the disc. Yeah. Like it just out of nowhere, the dog is just magic. And it's fine. I don't care. Exactly. And, it, and it's, there's this absurdist thing where they're just sort of throwing it away. And that's okay. It's, it's a, you know, long-staying tradition. The, 
the folks at Broken Lizard love doing that. Um, I fucking love the landfill joke in Beer Fest. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, it's, which, uh, Beer Fest, again, the drinking the beer by being trapped in it, that's something that happens in this. Uh, so I would say also Broken Lizard probably is heavily inspired, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the meta stuff. But what I'm getting at is, I guess, because the villain's plans are often, like, kind of weird and vague, it made it hard to figure out what the hell was happening sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, when they, when they, the whole ordeal with the, um, the van, uh, and dumping them in the river and then she, then they shoot her with a dart. And I was like, does that dart just knock her out? And then she's like, like catatonic, but not. I think she was pretending with the pretending. movie. Ne- the movie never makes it super clear. She suddenly yeah. in a romantic relationship with the, the hockey player, Rosie, and that sort of comes out of nowhere. There's just a couple of threads. Yeah, they set it up a little bit. Yeah. And I do, I do appreciate that they don't make either of the main characters the romantic interest. Oh, no. Cool. They're, they're each other's romantic interest. They even exactly. have a, they even they have have a moment other. where they have to split up. <laughs> And it's- yeah. <laughs> Dave Thomas is fine with it. Rick is like weeping. We've never been apart ever. Has uh, to be yeah, consoled. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Um, and, and there's just a lot of that weird dream logic where like, yeah, yeah where they like get a job at the brewery and at fr- I'm like why would they give them a job uh, like they just sort of know. walked in. Keep them and quiet it's I like, guess who knows. Right, and it's like, okay, do, are they setting them up, up as patsies? It doesn't seem that way until then they do use them. The plan of the, with the hockey players is like weird because they keep cutting to the hockey players they have a scene where they play against the hockey players, and I'm like, I don't know why they're doing that. No, like, it's make kind any of sense. a it, yeah, it's like a series of bits a yeah. lot of the time, uh, and so it is. It is like yeah, it, yada yada is a lot of stuff. I would say. Yeah. And there's like characters like the mother uh who doesn't really matter, you no. know? Yeah, no. That's I mean she's only in two scenes. Yeah. One one scene being where they're sitting at this long luxurious dining table in their mansion eating Kentucky fried chicken on plates. Yeah. That for some reason that was deeply funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah, make, he makes a scene. reference to it. Where he's yeah. like, "Oh, we're it, we're the mom is because they're talking to her about she's upset that her mom married her uncle so quickly after her father died. And her mom is like, well, I think the problem is like, we're not upset at you for, for being sad that your father's gone, but you know, it's time to, to move on. It's like, after all people's memories live on, you can still cherish them. Like the Colonel's been dead for years and here we are enjoying his chicken. (laughs) That was, that was a funny one. Yeah. (laughs) Just eating Kentucky fried chicken off of plates in this like very fancy dining room. Yeah, which is like it's not against the rules to do that. No, it's just but it's, it's, not, it's weird. It's not like I can't put a finger on why ex- you know, it's it's hard to explain exactly why it's funny to me. It's just I think it's the juxtaposition. Funny. Yeah, the juxtaposition of it. Because and the the fact that they're not it reminds me of the scene in Your Highness where uh the bad guy uh, oh, I forget his name, but he's having um uh like dinner with his three like sorceress advisors and they're just eating a giant tray of fish sticks right because it's there's this there's this like again there's this like nihilism to it where it's like fuck it they're yeah. eating kfc who gives, who gives a shit they're um, eating a bucket of kentucky fried chicken yeah. and it, it's not that it's fancier that they're wealthy it's i think it's just that it's like the sinister of the idea of the scene mm-hmm. where it's like these are the evil people yeah and, and they're I, just <laughs> eating kfc which again like why wouldn't they be of course they why not but I, it's just I, something about that yeah i think the specificity of it also gets me yeah and, and then the fact that they refer to it in yeah. the scene and then it never comes back like kentucky fried chicken is not like a recurring theme in the movie which is another another layer of why it's funny to me right um but yeah yeah <laughs> We're just sitting here explaining why jokes are funny. Well, you know, it, it is like it, it, there's there's something to something like that where it's it's not it's it's not like the part where they get pulled over by the cops. Mm-hmm. There's like weird levels of it of weird like of absurdity that's yeah. like I don't quite ha- I qu- I can't quite pin down why this is funny. It just kind of is. Um, yeah. I get that. And I think that's a lot of this, and that's uh, maybe why it 
doesn't age or it didn't age that well for me um because some like a lot of the jokes i don't know like they're 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 again they're hard to identify well it's um, i think part of what it is is, is it's and we keep touching on it but it's it's like if not the earliest it's an early iteration of a style of humor that has developed and you know i'd argue been perfected in the past few decades that we've that we're much more familiar with so we're it's 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 harder you know it's more than it's just cute yeah like it's it's it's, it's, really, it's, yeah, like, it's really quaint it's is a lot like in and cute yeah i think that's the right word yeah like their opening film it's like the joke is the film isn't well made right uh it's oh look there things are on strings and they're and you know he's using a uh tape measure instead of a walkie-talkie um and it's not really like that's not really laugh out loud funny it's just like oh that's cute that's a cute idea i think you know i'm pouring the beer in the dog bowl and pouring it back in the pouring glass it back in the glass for yeah. their dad yeah like, I oh think, that's funny i think yeah. a lot of what endears this movie to me certainly when i was a kid and then like watching it now like i still find it charming is an aspect of these kinds of characters like buffoonish idiots really or man children um that like apatow or, or mckay sort of i think kind of does poorly is that they're not really mean-spirited um, no they're not and, and e- i would argue yeah even like dumb and dumber makes them mean-spirited uh, uh yeah they're yeah um, <laughs> jim, jim carrey much more so in that movie yeah but he's sinister <laughs> he's he's like yeah he's he's kind of a piece of shit but like <laughs> i would even argue like for the most part not even like beavis and butthead aren't really mean-spirited too often uh, yeah they're juvenile right you they're, know they're just kind of fools like entertaining themselves with their own foolishness and that's a lot of that's what this movie is for the most part like they're not really uh, they're not assholes well they so what they do is and this is another part of it and um it's this is a long tradition is the like the pair who also have and this is mostly done with stoner movies but they have one motivation and that's beer yeah. Like every their whole world is around beer. So you can write everything based on that, which is that if there's beer, they're gonna try to get the beer. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> that that's is their goal. What it's gonna be. That's yeah. their goal. If he's drowning in beer, well guess what? He can drink the beer. Um and yeah, that I think that is uh I don't know, like Cheech and Chong is probably around this time too, right? A little bit earlier, like, but yeah. Yeah. I, I it's weird that like you don't see that much with with booze. Well, they're not even like into liquor. They just want beer. Yeah. Uh, and so there's something quaint about that. And then it's, yeah, it's again, that long tradition of like stoner comedies, which is that it makes them like rather innocent, yeah. even, th- even though they're, I guess, alcoholics. Um, but, but it's because it's just that they just want one thing and it's not hurting anybody but, but themselves. Uh, and they just want to get that. Yeah. And so they don't, they don't like, like when they bring in that lady, I was like, oh no, fuck. Because like, I was a little exhausted by the potential of like, okay, are they, is it going to be that case of like this beautiful woman who for some reason is into these dipshits? Uh, and they don't do that. They bring in Rosie, the ex hockey player who is a weird character. He's a he's a bizarre. I've always felt even as a kid watching this movie that that character always confounded me. I do think he's a trope. He's the straight man ally. Yeah. Meaning like he's yeah, he's the guy who kind of is there to mop up the things that the protagonists are too dumb to do. Yeah. Uh and in this case, we get a romantic subplot with him, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's you fine, know, you know, uh, it's whatever. Yeah, and it's not it's not unearned, I would say, nor is it that earned. It's just that he's he's a fine looking guy, he's a nice guy. And so it's like at the end when they're together, I'm like, Yeah, I see no reason why yeah. they shouldn't get together. Mm-hmm. Uh he didn't he didn't do anything wrong, you know, he's he's seems nice enough. Um, even when he's like brainwashed or whatever, he's not an asshole. Um so it works. It's just it is a very awkward character there's a few of that there's the other detective and i think those it's these characters are in place so that the main characters never have to worry about solving 
their own problem. Yeah. A lot of these characters are created out of necessity for a specific scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I think of someone who has to be like, they are innocent, actually. They need, it's they this need, guy who's bad. Some character needs to know what to do <laughs> to advance yeah. the plot because uh, Bob and Doug cannot. I would argue this movie does uh, waste a lot of, like, it's inefficient in that regard. Yes. For example, I, I don't know how much I needed the ghost. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's a ghost in this. He has. He's. I love the ghost effects. It's very Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. Yeah, it's the. Uh, it's it's that it's that idea. The electricity type of look for ghosts. Uh, it comes out of an outlet. He he fucks with an arcade machine. I guess the implication is the implication that so they strangle him and then they set it up to make it look like he was electrocuted. Is the implication that he went into the electrical grid? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> His ghost is haunting the electrical grid of this brewery. Sure. Yeah. And ultimately it feels like you don't really need him. You can you can have other people figure things out, you know? Um, sure. But they wanted a ghost, so there's a ghost in it. I don't know. Yeah, and ultimately it doesn't really matter. No. Uh, no, it was just the way that the the heroine learns that her father was murdered is is her father's ghost talks to her. Right, but she also watches the security tapes. So, right. like, which, yeah, it which does the, seem ghost feel redundant. the ghost shows the ghost shows the security tapes. Yeah, um, it feels like they could have had it, like you know, her just go into the evil lair. Yeah, and, see and I the mean, security y- tapes. Yeah, there's like three hockey scenes. You know, it's not a terribly efficient film, even though it's like barely ninety <laughs> minutes, and it has yeah. a, a brief intermission gag. <laughs> it does have a brief and intermission a, gag and a, and a prologue that has nothing to do with the rest of the film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's yeah, ba- it's and, barely a movie. <laughs> it's barely a movie, but also like I wouldn't want it to be two hours. No, hell no. Um, no, I, yeah. But it I, is I, very meandering. Yeah, it is very like series of bits. It's very uh, thrown. It's very thrown together. It's uh, you know, yeah, uh, for sure. Which is, it makes it a little slow of a watch, uh, to be honest. But it's still so charming for me. Um, I'm right. Still, I'm still very much into this movie. It's, yeah, it's tough. Like, I'm not going to find myself watching this movie much. Um, It's more of, it's the kind of movie where, like, uh, I can see people being like, I'm not really into it. Oh, for sure. And I can see people being like, I love it. What's hard is to imagine someone being like, I fucking hate it. Because it's not really hurting anybody. And it is, uh, it really does feel like the conception of a lot of tropes Mm -hmm. that we, we love over the years. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not hurting anyone. (laughs) I don't think. Which is, you know, it sounds like a weird backhanded compliment to give a movie, but like for a 40 year old comedy, that's kind of saying something, right? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not, it's not malicious in any way towards any group of people. It's just two two buffoons uh, having a good time. Yeah, I guess I am surprised I didn't find it uh, more funny because this is an era where I do quite like a lot of the comedy and it doesn't come from the joke so much as it is the performances. performances, yeah. Yeah, I think about a movie like Stripes. I love Stripes. I don't think there's any joke in that. That's that particularly funny. I also think that movie probably is aged a lot worse. It's the stripes um, is a tough watch. Um, yeah, yeah, but there's some performances in that that I'm just like, ooh, perfect. Like it's just uh, I can watch that anytime just because of that. And I guess this this bit of like the Canadians that say this is I think this is another part of it is that the bit they're doing is very not fresh anymore, right? The saying hosers and being being this Canadian stereotype mm-hmm. that's into hockey yeah. uh, and beer, like that is that is now just a, a very old comedy stereotype. Yeah, although um, I, I am forever grateful for uh, learning the term knob to call people. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's good. great. Great insult <laughs> to sling oh, yeah. somebody's calling somebody in. So when he's doing Star the Star Wars, uh, when he's doing the Darth Vader voice, Dave Thomas in the hockey gear, he's like, "Luke, use the force, you knob." Yeah, oh, that's great. They also so oh, dumb. Damn it, so dumb. What is the phrasing? They have phrasing that's like the equivalent of saying "quit it" to somebody. Oh, take off. Um, 
take off take off yeah those are great that's the that's the thing is it's a stereotype but they're doing it this is the best version of it it's the most effortless yeah version of that stereotype kind of like wayne's world where it's like this is the the brain dead gen xer Mm -hmm. uh and we're doing not only the best version of it but the most like oddly pure version yeah it's i would i would make that argument about wayne's you could wayne's world's a little more abrasive but you could make a similar observation where they're mostly kind of innocent characters like they're not really hurting anybody right and they uh, they even less so than this they don't deal with stuff like drugs and stuff they have a weird like when they have the character who's just like partied out like oh right yeah like stuff like that where it's like they don't really address the idea of drinking or doing drugs and this obviously they're drinking beer a lot but they're never really like they're drunk. Never, they're never drunk yeah it's, it's yeah. interesting no yeah, nobody's they, ever drunk in this movie they, i don't they think do, yeah they constantly talk about drinking and driving though um like one of them's gonna drive because the other one's drunk but yeah well, i he, guess the idea is they're either never drunk or always drunk and i guess they're always drunk i think they're just the always idea. drunk yeah and it's and the yeah. gag dave thomas specifically says is you can't he says you can't drink and drive at the same time yeah <laughs> that's pretty good um, um yeah yeah so it I don't know. It's 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 really has to do with the fact that this is just dated, um, and not in a necessarily a bad way. No, it's just like it doesn't have any real, pull, like quotable. I mean, there's quotable moments, but there's no like gag you can really pull out of this movie and be like, that's a classic all time gag. It's like it's more like a constant simmer. Like it's you mentioned yeah, you mentioned a simmer them doing their characters as being effortless. And that's what really sticks out to me on this watch is that, you know, knowing that I don't know what percentage, but most of what they're doing is improv. Uh, that's the kind of the, the, yeah. bed, the foundation of these characters. Um, and it's so every scene between them is so organic and so effortless. And there's never really a lull in their banter. They're constantly talking. And this um, was, yeah, it's this just was really definitely good. a, yeah, the so improv during this time because we also talked about stripes and to some extent Ghostbusters, although there's there there's only some improv in that. Um, and this was a time where I think improv was done in a way that was so much better. Yeah, <laughs> than what we because improv today is like we're we're shoving it in your face. Well, I think, and we're gonna keep doing like line after we're gonna keep just saying the same variation of a joke over and over again. Right. Whereas this, it was more like small, subtle lines. The line, the line, the improv line that I, that always speaks to me from this era is uh, Harold Ramis and Ghostbusters with that would have worked if you hadn't stopped stopped me. me. Yeah. And it's like, that's not a put. That's not like a huge joke. It's just a great punctuation. Well, here's, Um, I think the focus is different. Uh, Cause like today, with the Apatow McKay style of improv, it's trying to beat a joke. It's trying to one up the line. So it's really just right. people going back and forth, shooting a joke and trying to one up the previous joke. And the focus around this era was more about se- be- remaining in character. Yes. And like, and like there are lines that you're like, I'm not, I'm honestly not sure if that was in the script or not. Because they aren't, they don't stand out necessarily as being like improv lines. They just fit in the movie, right? Uh, in a nice way, and it fits with the character. So I think that's part of, for me anyway, what makes this period of of improv style comedy more palatable is that the focus is more about staying in char- maintaining the character, whereas right. modern improv is more about trying to top each other for the biggest laugh so it ends up being every character is the same we're all just trying to say the most ridiculous thing we can to get the biggest laugh and that's to me that's bad improv yeah i've seen <laughs> there's there's some it, it's, it has its moments but yeah largely less impressed by it um calling this a simmer was a good way of putting it it's weird because i don't want to let it too much off the hook for being old because there's also movies like like I still find Monty Python and the Holy Grail to be funny, to have moments that are genuinely funny by today's standards, mm-hmm. to be ahead of its time. So I do think this is, it's definitely dated, in that it's it's it doesn't it's not timeless. No, it's just not. No, um, it's not. Yeah, 
And uh, you could call that a flaw, although, again, it's like fucking, and what you, do you want from them? Yeah, <laughs> and you, you, you brought up the Marx Brothers earlier, uh, and like the Marx Brothers, I think... That'll still make me laugh. Is, but is it, timeless. Like, you can sit there yeah. and like, if you listen to, you know, just watching like a Harpo gag or like listening to one of Groucho's like rapid fire uh, jokes, it's like, oh, that's still pretty fucking funny. Right, whereas I would say the Three Stooges, not so much. Yeah, I'm not big on the Stooges. Yeah, uh, it, it's weird. It's I think um, absurdist stuff when it's when it's purely when it's at its most absurd, like Monty Python, um, can be timeless. Mm-hmm. I also think slapstick can be timeless to an extent. It depends, but yeah, um, yeah. Like I think that's why stuff like Mel Brooks can hold up. Or uh, David Zucker, although that stuff can get awfully dated at times. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, but like the physical humor can still very much work. Um, this is like, since it's not really going for like physical humor or like puns as much as like we're just doing characters yeah. that we find funny, the characters themselves have become such like tropes that I think that makes it ultimately uh, not hold up as well yeah i would agree i think that's what it is Mm -hmm. um but again everybody's doing so good like i i'm never not amazed when i see rick moranis in anything yeah he's great (laughs) yeah he's always Uh, great yeah and of course max von Sydow uh is he's just man (laughs) he's so game (laughs) yeah he's so game he's like it's weird seeing him remotely young (laughs) Yeah, like, even though he was always like sixty, I think he was just like 60. forever sixty. Yeah, like even in the Virgin um, Spring, he's like fucking sixty. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, and he's he's not doing anything really for laughs in this. Although he no, he's playing knows- it, he's playing it straight, but he knows how to fit into this tone. Yeah, he knows what movie he's yeah, in. 100%, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's just so funny that they got him. Although, again, it's that sort of thing where I think of him as like a really prestigious star but it's like is he though like or is he just an actor <laughs> you I know think, i think <laughs> he was also in like the 2010 robin hood uh judge dread like i mean judge, he's, yeah yeah he just he just does stuff he's just a, a fucking actor who worked for 70 years i think um, yeah it's so it's he's in everything thing. when when an actor looks old and has a certain accent we just assume <laughs> <laughs> they just uh do only top-notch stuff uh when in reality yeah they'll be in minority report sure. you know i mean minority report's a good movie but it is a good movie it's a bad example yeah, they'll so... be in the force awakens there you go better example yeah. uh but they'll also still Flash gordon still a huge star wars movie so you know yeah yeah, yeah. um um i'm trying to think of anybody else to call out from i mean uh as you point out, sorry, he's he's like a Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Ben Kingsley is that on when you first think about when the name flashes in your head, you just think like, oh, it's Ben Kingsley. He does nothing but classy stuff, and then you think a little harder, and you're like, wait, no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like with enough money, I can get Ben Kingsley in something. Yeah. Yeah, probably. He'll just do whatever. Yeah, but I mean, he's another guy where it's he's just you know he's been acting for like fucking Forever. six yeah. decades now, so. He's got a wide body of work. He's still a great actor. You know, Max von Sydow obviously was a great actor. Yeah, they're, they're great actors. But yeah. they just, they're also just working actors. They'll just be in stuff. Yeah, so. and he's only doing so much in this. He doesn't... Yeah. yeah. Um, what were you going to say? I was just trying to call it other people. Uh, you, obviously, you pointed out to me this time that something I never actually noticed, weirdly, is that uh, Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis play their own parents in this movie. Dave Thomas plays yeah. the dad and Rick Moranis plays the mom. But their dad's voice is done by Mel Blanc. That's pretty great. So I always, as a kid, I always thought it was just Mel Blanc for that one scene where you briefly see him. But then obviously oh, watching yeah. it this time, it is very <laughs> clearly Dave Thomas in a mustache and Rick Moranis in a wig. Yeah. Pretending to fuck. Yep. Uh, yeah, that that was a delight. Yeah. I liked that. Uh, um, Pam, the, the daughter that's going to take over the brewery is Lynn Griffin, who, have you seen Black Christmas? Yeah, not. It's been a while. She looked very familiar. She's she's on. She's like the iconic image from Black. She's a lady on the poster. She's the one who gets suffocated by the bag. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, like, that's that's her deal. Um, yep. and actually, the guy who plays Rosie plays Gold Leader in Star Wars. 
So they and they think really? yeah, and they do the Star Wars bit with him on screen. So that was You're kind of right, funny. Yeah. They do. Yeah. That's very funny. He's totally in the first Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. He also looked familiar, but he's that kind of familiar where he just looks like everybody uh he just looks like everybody in the 70s (laughs) exactly that's what i was gonna say he looks like everybody who's ever existed in the 70s yeah um he could be in any movie in the 70s uh it it really doesn't matter i'm reading this he was uh uh shit what did he's apparently in hellboy sure sergeant whitman sure Sure. why wouldn't he be he's in eyes wide shut Mm -hmm. good for him hey he's in judge dread he sure is (laughs) as one of the other judges (laughs) yeah (laughs) with max von sedow good for him good for him yeah Yeah. i wonder if they told strange brew stories on the set of judge dread that would be amazing i like to think max von sedow was just had heard oh you want to be in this adaptation of hamlet and he's like sure of course yeah and he shows up by the way says, apparently the first draft was really faithful to hamlet <laughs> <laughs> and they were like we let's not go nuts here uh which is just silly to me <laughs> that they like yeah the screenwriter was like all right you want hamlet i'll give you hamlet <laughs> fuck it <laughs> uh yeah do i have any other thoughts on this movie Tom, do you have any other thoughts on this movie? No. I, you know, again, this is a movie I watched oh. a, a bunch as a kid, and I still think it's charming, although I agree. It's it's pretty dated, and it's it's not yeah. it's not going to bust your gut at any point. Yeah. Weird subjective note is that I really like movies that take place around this climate and season, which is like the shitty, not quite winter mm-hmm. uh, look, yeah. where everything, like the, the trees are like twigs. Right. And it's something like, about- It's like ass November. Yeah. Ass November. Thank you. Or- I was I was or actually thinking January. It's, yes, I was thinking it was ass January. Um <laughs> or ass February. Yeah. Um and in like what seems like the you know northeast it's Canada. Where mm-hmm. where in Canada is it? Is oh, this who knows? Toronto? Who can who can flip yeah. and say, man? Canada is uh, a fast It says we shot in Toronto and Ontario. Um and uh oh, it also British Columbia. So it was just everywhere. All over fucking Canada. And uh it's just something about that always in like makes me feel comfortable watching and then also combined with the eighties, uh, and that nostalgia and that feeling of like uh, you know, old cars, old look. I don't know. Something about that I always love. So uh I guess my overall thought in this movie is I enjoyed watching it. Um it has that like morphine like comfort to it. Mm-hmm. in general not just that setting but like the comedy the people but yeah i just i never i never really got a huge laugh out of me yeah that's fair yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with the movie and in fact if this movie didn't exist i think a lot of other things wouldn't have existed uh it sure feels that way at least so you know good movie yeah i'm into it i'm into it yeah uh so yeah that's it yeah thank you uh thank you steven yeah Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, your business. Thank, thank you. That's our business, business. We're making deals. Uh, yeah, why not? Fuck <laughs> it. Should we start our own like characters where we do that voice? Uh, I mean, probably. Yeah. I don't think we have any, be... any other choice. That's why I, I assume people like Rick Moranis and stuff are like, I don't know, man. Because like, it's the same with like Bobcat Goldthwait or... or um, fuck why gilbert godfried whereas there must have been a point in their career where they're like man i wish i didn't like do this like i wish i didn't pin myself as guy with this voice you know like and i'm sure there's a there's when you do a character like this uh at a certain point you're like man kind of sick of doing that yeah (laughs) (laughs) kind of wish i uh could do other things yeah I i would love to move on from this yeah, and I think Rick Moranis, a lot of his career is that, where they're like, look at you, you're a little guy. You're like a little funny guy. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I can do other things. Uh, yeah. like, nah, if, you're a little funny guy. If you look at, if you actually look at his career, though, he's played a lot of very different characters. It's, it's, he's had a, you know, he, yeah, got, he got into a little bit of a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids rut, I think, where he played that, char- that type of character a few times. Uh, well, actually, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just for that movie. <laughs> those movies rather but like I, uh, all right yeah through the 80s he had this he's got um uh lewis tully streets of fire he's got streets, streets of, of fire. fire where he's playing a scumbag uh club owner he's got uh 
um, My Blue Heaven, where he's playing the straight man FBI mm-hmm. agent to Steve Martin's the, wacky mobster. By the way, this is his first movie. Sure. Yeah, Strange Brew, then Streets of Fire, <laughs> immediately after. Well, that's a uh, and weird then combination. Ghostbusters. Yeah, then Ghostbusters. I think Streets of Fire, he was like, look, I don't want to be, uh, you know, um, him as fucking Dark Helmet. God yeah, damn. Yeah, Dark Helmet, yeah. God damn. He's apparent. he's, okay. So he's slated to be in a movie uh, soon uh, called Shrunk. It's the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids remake up or sequel apparently he's gonna be in it according oh. to imdb huh i don't know i don't know i don't know, I don't know about true. that <laughs> yeah we'll see he was in the goldbergs as dark helmet i guess he brought that character back or they just used his voice for that they might like maybe he was on the tv yeah um shit in 2007 he did a tv movie documentary called uh bob and doug mckenzie's two hour anniversary so i guess they brought these guys back yeah why wouldn't they yeah and then, oh yeah, he's been doing a lot of bringing back old characters. I'm seeing it's a lot of that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, he 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 has a more of a diverse career that I guess I give him credit for. He also just seems like he's capable of a lot. Yeah. Uh, it just really does still feel like we want him to be like the little guy, little little funny guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um. What were we doing? Uh, were we I, think you're gonna, I think we're done. Yeah, you're going to tell him some stuff, Dave. Oh, okay, right. Uh, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. Uh, along with getting your own... We just watched episodes. Uh, for $5 a month, you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and Spielboys. Those last two we do with the, the folks at Small Beans. For $10 a month, you can watch movies with us every pay, every Friday night. Um, what did we watch? What did we watch? We watched. We watched uh, Congo in the net. Congo, Congo in the net, which is a, g- a very good like. Yeah, that's very, that's what we do. Very good indicator of the kinds of movies we watch. Yeah, and when this comes out, we will have watched something else on another Friday night. Who can even say, man? Uh, Not even we yeah. know what it's going to be at this point. No, it's chaos. It's mm-hmm. pure chaos. Pure chaos. Uh, we also have a store, GameFlyUnemployed.com. Head over there and you can find a link to our Teespring store where we have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs you can get on t-shirts, stickers, posters, mugs, all kinds of things. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Get it get all up in our business. Give us your business. <laughs> yeah, this is our voices now. <laughs> uh, those characters are going to take off, Dave. They're going to take off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna, this we're gonna get famous rich yeah. and famous we're gonna Tom. get rich and famous we're gonna make a movie and then the 30 years from now guys. we're gonna make a re- we're gonna do a reunion special of the business guys <laughs> hey, you hear these business guys their joke is that they just don't really care much and they do a half-assed voice it's great <laughs> <laughs> it's the pinnacle of comedy <laughs> <laughs>